0: Hello again, it's evening time over here in Blacksmiths. When I began this podcast, I was convinced that I'd be talking a lot about food because it's been one of my favourite topics for quite a quite a while, although it has been taken over a bit by movement in recent times. Anyway, I've hardly talked about food at all, just a bit here and there, so I thought I'd give it another go tonight and just go over the first four things that I learned from Chris Kresser that were best avoided and that I began to avoid and that were actually the first four things I avoided that made such an immense impact on my health. So the first one is sugar, which I'm pretty sure everybody knows about by now, although it wasn't so commonly known um, back then. And the maximum amount of sugar that is healthy and okay per day would be four teaspoons or 20 grams. Some would argue even less than that. But for the average person who doesn't have a specific reason, I'm sure that 20 grams is probably doable. Um, The next food is is gluten or wheat. It's not just wheat, it's wheat, barley and rye. And then oats don't technically contain um, gluten but they're often processed with other glutenous grains and therefore they're often contaminated with gluten. And so why is that? Of course, there are people with celiac disease and gluten intolerance who need to avoid gluten because they get a clear and obvious allergic reaction to it. But there are other things about gluten that make it not a great food. One, there are many, I probably won't cover all of them. Um one of them is that it's highly glycemic meaning it's exactly the same as if you'd had sugar. So if you're eating a piece of bread, it's the equivalent of having several teaspoons of sugar. And if you're having pasta for dinner the same night, then you've had several more teaspoons of sugar, and if you've had a meat pie, then that's several more, etc. So it all adds up and it basically cleaves into sugar molecules the minute it gets into your not the minute it gets into your mouth, but very soon afterwards. And so it is equivalent to eating sugar so it has all the same problems that sugar has. It's Antigenic. So it's got all those proteins that people with celiac test positive to, and people with gluten intolerance don't test positive to those proteins, but they have um, clear symptoms. But there are dozens of other proteins that don't get tested for that gluten uh, that um, wheat contains and that people can have antigenicity to, but would never know it because the testing doesn't get done. There is a lab in the States called Cyrex that will test for all of the um, possible proteins. And antigens in wheat, but it's not easily available. So a lot of people do have antigenicity, meaning they're producing some kind of immunological response to those foods, whether they know it or not. And the symptoms may be nothing to do with your gut. The symptoms of those antigens and your immunological response to them could be skin irritation, depression, joint pain, tiredness, all sorts of other things that are not gut related and even celiacs don't always have gut related problems, they have those other problems. Um, The next problem, the next thing about uh, wheat, barley and rye is that it causes intestinal permeability in everybody. Um, So, in a healthy person who has no symptoms, it'll still cause at least for one hour intestinal permeability, which just means that if your gut is lined by a very, very fine mesh where the holes in the mesh are just the right size for allowing in the small parts of the food once it's been digested and broken down and is safe to enter the bloodstream, then for at least an hour, those little mesh holes are bigger and they allow in larger molecules which aren't supposed to be in the blood and will be immediately recognized as a foreign body and treated as such by mounting an immune response so even in people with no symptoms whatsoever who feel fine and who feel like they can eat gluten fine that will happen and it may only last an hour and then reverse itself and go back to normal but during that hour things are passing into your bloodstream that don't belong there and over a lifetime of doing this repeatedly it's not going to lead to anything good The next reason I don't like those foods are because they are normally or frequently genetically modified strains, which means that they have been sprayed with lots of different pesticides, uh, herbicides. There's glyphosate and there's I think it's called atrazine was the one I learnt of recently and I'm sure there are multiple other ones. And wheat in particular gets sprayed both during the growth and at harvest time. So it's extra full of those things and those things destroy the microbiome. That's just, oh, and there's another reason. Um, They're a filler. They don't actually contain much at all in the way of nutrients that we need. So we eat them, we feel full, we think we've eaten, we've had calories, but we've not actually received nutrients that build our body. But we now have less hunger with which to eat nutrients that build our body. So we end up not getting as much nutrition as we need. That's the gluten side of things. The next food on the list to avoid was the vegetable oils. And this is often referred to as the industrial seed oils. So in this category, we have cotton seed oil, soybean oil, rice bran oil, canola, sunflower, safflower, um, peanut, groundnut. I think that's the main ones. The oils that um, are okay are olive oil, Avocado oil, macadamia oil, and coconut oil, and then all the animal fats, sesame oil. Different opinions. I would say if you're not, if there's not a specific reason and the person's not actually ill, that it's probably okay from time to time. Not sure. Um, there's different. There's differences of opinion there. Uh, why are they bad? Because They have a very high omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. The healthy ratio would be two to one, but in all those oils, it's much higher than that. It can be up to 17 to one. Now that's not true for canola oil, which is actually one-to-one. However, canola oil has other toxic things in it. The other reason these oils, well, so the thing I said about omega-6s and 3s is just that's highly inflammatory. So it inflames the gut and destroys the microbiome. Uh, the other thing about the oils is they're all bleached and chemicals are used to extract them, which means there's those chemical residues still in the oil. And because they go rancid so quickly and so easily they've got antioxidants in them to stop them going rancid which are unhealthy and harmful to microbiome and all sorts of other things and inflammatory and they are kept in plastic bottles which means that the plastic leaches into them so all in all not a good idea and lastly soy products so fermented soy so soy sauce and the fermented versions of tempeh and tofu are sorted of okay, they're not fantastic, but most of those are not properly fermented the traditional way like they used to be. And soy is, has estrogenic compounds, so it does create estrogen dominance in women and a lower testosterone in men, um, but also it's very inflammatory and rich in omega-6s. That's the main thing with soy those two things, and of course it causes destruction of rainforests across the world, large plantations of soy, monocrops, highly destructive agriculture for those types of crops that are grown on a large scale in monocrops. There's um, depletion of the soil fertility which call, and also soil erosion. There's killing on a very large scale of all sorts of mammals, birds, reptiles, worms, insects and soil microorganisms, both from clearing the land and destroying the habitat and then going over it with machines, then spraying it with all sorts of poisons and doing this repeatedly over a period of years. It's one of the most environmentally destructive practices that we currently have uh, for food production. So that's not just true of soy, that's true of corn and rice and wheat, canola and quite a lot of other things. So that's another reason to dislike soy. So those are the main four things that after reading Chris Kress's blog and all his advice way back in 2014 that I stopped eating. And they, the avoidance of those foods did give me a week's worth of feeling a bit woozy and dizzy as I withdrew from the amount of carbs I was previously having. But the results were nothing short of spectacular in me. And um, as can anyone can find on the internet in a lot of people, if not all who have given up those foods. All right, that's quite enough blathering on for one evening. Hope that's been of some use and I'll talk to you soon. (laughs)